So, you want to be an indie author. Well, writing is creative. Being an author, now that's a business. Hi, I'm Jenia White, and welcome to the Indie Author Hangout. This bi-weekly podcast is for aspiring writers and indie authors. Here, you'll be introduced to the business of being a well-informed, bona fide, independent author. It's time to sell your stories and not yourself short. So stay tuned to the Indie Arthur Hangout podcast and create your blueprint for your Indie Arthur business today. You're inside the Indie Arthur Hangout, Season 1, Episode 4. Hey, it's Jenia, your hostess who wants the mostest in book sales. I'm also a wife, mother, and indie author of Black-centric fiction, and as always, I'm happy that you're here. It's time to start the show. Let's tune in to another Indie Author Hangout Spotlight. Indie Author Hangout Spotlights are episodes where we will gain awareness into who an indie author is behind and because of their work. They will also promote their books, their projects, and provide us with hopefully some methods behind the madness of choosing to become an indie author. Today's Indie Author Hangout Spotlight guest is Karen Pessoa, a self-published author from Toronto, Canada, who has dedicated her life to making a positive impact within the world of early childhood education. Currently, she specializes in supporting children with special needs, and along with her gift of storytelling, this has ignited her passion for writing stories for young children. Cam Sneakers, Karen's debut children's book, is a heartwarming tale about childhood attachments to comfort items. It also reveals the importance of friendship, kindness, and the power ignited within children when their emotions are validated and voices heard. Camp Sneakers is a modern-day classic filled with lessons that bring out the humanity within young and older readers alike. Be sure to visit KarenPessoa-Author.com and Amazon to purchase your copy of Camp Sneakers today. It is indeed my sincere pleasure to welcome to the Indie Author Hangout, Miss Karen Pessoa. Thank you, Karen, for joining me on the Indie Arthur Hangout Spotlight. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. I am just in love, just even with the cover of your book that we're going to get into shortly. Let's start with what brings Karen the most joy? Friends and family and peace where I can find it in nature. I like to spend a lot of time outside. And I I think that rings true in the pictures in my book, in the illustrations, there is a lot of nature. What does nature do for you? It's one of those things where no matter what kind of day I'm having, once I go outside and I can listen to the rush of the water or the trees, it just, totally puts things in perspective, calms me down, and I can deal with whatever problems I might be having. In your career as a childhood educator, how do you introduce nature into how you work with your children? I think that's really, really important. We spend a lot of time outside, and I find how it helps to keep the kids calm, happy. They tend to listen to instructions a lot better. I just find that compared to being inside, they kind of lose their minds a little bit. There's something about being in a closed environment compared to outside where you can enjoy the open skies and, you know, butterflies and all those beautiful things once it's not winter. I think it helps to keep us connected to that innocence of childhood. 
That's very true as well. We know nature is a great introduction to helping a child understand the wonder of life and the world. What other skills do you have in your arsenal to help children um, that you take care of in your career as a childhood educator daily? What other things do you use to help keep them calm and, and teach them lessons? They're not permitting that anymore. But what my book is about is I allow the kids that are in my care to bring any comfort items at all that they use at home um, because this helps them with self-regulation. It helps them when they're feeling sad, anxious. And I find that it's really, really helpful to have that on hand whenever something might happen during the day. And is that where you got the inspiration for camps? Yes. One particular student of mine, he has cerebral palsy and he had brought his stuffed bear with him and he left it. And that night it was a complete disaster for him and his family because he didn't have it to snuggle that night. That whole entire day was a disaster for both the parent and that child. It was a sleepless night until the next day when he could retrieve his stuff there. So that's where I got the idea oh. for cam sneakers. And did it give you like an idea of just how important it was for Exactly. And that I should make that be kind of like a theme for parents not to feel upset that their child might be attached to a particular thing that it actually is a positive because everybody adults and children alike they go through big feelings but it's almost as if children's feelings come across as if they're, it's not as important as the feelings adults might have whether they might be anxious upset mad or whatever and that's a, a, another thing that I wanted to bring through in the book, how important feelings are that children have, that they're just as important as adult feelings and how they manage it is by having some comfort item that they use and it helps them with self-regulation. I love the way you say big feelings. I love that connection um, because you're very correct in how a lot of children are looked at as being so resilient yeah. um, without the same experience that we have as adults. Exactly. It's almost as if, you know, because they're young, there's no way that their feelings are valid or as important as the things that adults go through in order for them to become stressed, upset, angry, or any other, of the other feelings. Mm -hmm. How does Cam work through his loss in your book? He goes through all the fields where first he was confused and then he started crying and then he was mad. But see, Cam has two comfort items in the book and his second comfort item, he actually used it to self-soothe. Mm. And by the time he woke up, he found his sneakers again. And 
Another thing I wanted to have in the book is, is friendship and kindness and empathy. It's not written anywhere. It's a visual thing. And it's just like kindness and empathy. It's nothing that you say. It's an action word. And so I wanted to do the same thing in the book where the children have to see or the parents have to see um, the kindness of the other animal friends. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that have read the book on their channel, they've missed it. They're saying maybe there'll be a, another camp sneakers to explain why his sneakers disappeared and where they went. It's there, but it's just not spoken. It's visual. What are two lessons that readers of all ages can take from the story? One of the lessons is how important comfort items are in the lives of children. And the second one is how important friendship and kindness and empathy is in the lives of all people, including children. And that's very much needed in lieu of current times. Absolutely. How would you suggest readers expand upon those lessons that you have inside of Camp Sneakers? It's by living your, your, your life authentically and really uh, listen to children because they have a lot to say. And it's funny that you can learn even from the smallest child. And I just want to be able to bring to light that little ones are pretty incredible human beings and that animals because they are drawn to them naturally that it's a good way of talking to children about any subject using animals is why i chose animals versus people to tell the story you mentioned in your bio that you have a granddaughter. I um, do. She's five. Oh, that's a great age. That's a great age. I have a six-year-old, so I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I really understand where you're coming from with, with the children's emotions um, and how they're viewed. Mm -hmm. Because I was raised completely different. I was raised in a time where children were seen and not heard. Yes, exactly. I was raised the same way as well. They should be able to have a voice. They should be able to voice any concern, anything at all, something they're excited about, anything. Camp Sneakers can set the precedent for how that can be easily transitioned from the parental point of view, because sometimes it's hard to, to change the idea of how you were raised. Um, when you're doing it for your children, you're pretty much kind of mimicking a lot of times what your parents have done for you. But you have to understand that part of our issues as adults is that we weren't able to process our feelings as children. We were told to that, stop crying if we were upset. That, yes, that's very, very true. I totally agree with you on that one. I, I'm hoping that today's parents are a lot different from or parents or how we were raised. And based on that hope, that is the reason why I thought that Cam Sneakers would be a good book 
for both parents and children as a reminder of how important um, a child's voice is and that they need to be heard just as you do as an adult. Exactly. And it adds so much value to them personally mm-hmm. know that their voice means something. It teaches them that, you know, how to process because yes. if, they, if they say something and it's heard and they can talk through it, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a life skill. Absolutely. I think that it has to do with uh, validation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that once, once your family who you love is validating certain points and feelings that you might have, you don't tend to seek that out when they get older in wrong people, whatever other people's ideas are, what they think of them means much less. But when you don't have that voice when nobody listens to you as a child you tend to seek validation outside of yourself when you become an adult and i can speak from personal experience so you repeat what you've learned yourself but through studying early childhood education and going through my career by the time my son came along i found that i operated a lot different and so he's so confident and he still could come to me now with a problem and i would listen and even if he's pointing out uh something that i'm doing wrong i'm okay with listening to it because he's seeing me from an angle where i can't see myself and that he's confident to do that not in fear that I would get upset. That's it. And having that first relationship of being able to express yourself with a parent or someone close to you, it does a lot for validating who you are as a person and your value in the world. Yes, absolutely. I think that on some level, it even affects the relationship overall because the relationships i have with both my children are different because of it so based on on those lessons that i learned myself through my own experience i think that was in part why cam sneakers came to be as well because i wanted a different experience for today's parent a more positive experience than the one that I had with my daughter. You're tuned into the Indie Author Hangout Podcast with Spotlight guest Karen Pessoa. Be sure to visit Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and KarenPessoa-Author.com to purchase your copy of Camp Sneakers today. Also, be sure to stop by Twitter and say hello at Indie Author Hangout. That's capital N, capital D, Author Hangout on Twitter. I'll see you there. Now let's get back to the show. It seems as though when you were working in your book, you had a chance to actually exercise your own camp sneakers kind of experience. So you mentioned on your blog how much of a roller coaster ride this entire self-publishing experience. Oh my goodness, absolutely. <laughs> it was so crazy. I had no idea how when you're an indie author that even though you might hire um a 
publishing house to help you when you're an indie author you have to do all the legwork i i had no idea i i thought that they would hold my hand seriously because i'm paying them all this money they would give me insight of how to make this book perfect because that's what i wanted but in my experience they just put anything out there and if I wasn't the perfectionist that I was, then I would have just gone with what they have given me. <laughs> and so I, I think that that was the, what I meant by a roller coaster ride. I wasn't expecting that at all. Did you have a marketing or a business plan in place before the experience? It wasn't the marketing part that really was challenging for me, but I did have a marketing plan in place. I was already promoing my book. I had a team doing videos and posts for me months and months in advance. But what the struggle I was having was with the publishing house itself and the book layout and having the illustrations complement the writing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't happening the way that they were um, putting it together for me. And I had to learn what different kinds of font that is favorable among children's books, fonts that would emphasize sight words and things like that, which I wasn't keen on or didn't have any idea of what that even meant until all this kind of fell in my lap. So you jumped ahead to build your plane on the way down. Yes, absolutely. Now, am I happy with the outcome? Absolutely. Uh, at the end of it all, I was glad for the journey, even the, the pitfalls and the ups and downs and the crying when they would send me uh, the layout and it would look crazy. Like there's no way that I would want this printed looking like this. And so I've had many of those days, but the outcome I absolutely love. And I should mention that I was the art director on this project as well. The illustrator that I found, he's amazing, Aminat. And he put up with my <laughs> perfectionism because he himself is a Leo and we work so well together. And I like the idea that all of the images was my own. Did you manage during that time as an art director and learning fonts and how things should be printed um, and formatted correctly? Did you mm -hmm. manage to develop a process to help you as you move forward with other projects? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, now I, it's so much easier. I will say that the production house, publishing house that I use, I would do things differently. The publishing house that I use, I love them, but going forward, I would do things a little bit differently just based on the experience that I had in making camp sneakers a reality. Based on just your experience, what would be a suggestion to an, an indie author who is starting this journey? What would you want to let them know that would be helpful 
when they are choosing someone to help publish their book? What I would say is that be wary of publishing houses that they're quick to take your money. I'll be the first to say um, you need to do your research on exactly how you want your book to be, learn the ropes of what a layout is and all the things that encompasses a, a children's book. And um, because money will fly out of your pocket faster than you can blink. And it wouldn't be worth it in the end. Is there a certain resource you would use or suggest they use to get their journey started? Something that was I, I would. I think fiber, I found them absolutely invaluable. So going forward, I would definitely be using them for a lot of my resources. They come highly recommended. I, I've just had nothing but a positive experience. And I'm sure the information would definitely be helpful to someone starting this journey. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. You're currently working on editing a new book about the Black girl hair experience. Could you provide us a little information about what readers can expect with this one? Or as a young girl growing up, having my hair done was not my favorite thing. Uh, and even though I'm from a mixed background myself, it doesn't help that your hair still gets really, really tangly and that I hated it being touched by my mother at all. But back in those days, it's not like you could complain. Um, so that one of the reasons why I thought I would write a story about hair but when it was conclusive that I wanted to do it was when another really famous author I won't mention any names and I read it and the author was not African-American and I just found there was a disconnect mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be relatable both to the parents that's reading the story to the child as well as some children that's experienced what it feels like to have their hair done on a daily basis. Are you art director on this book as well? I definitely will be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I'm going to change my illustrator. I want to work with somebody local. He's really, really amazing. And he's also Jamaican-Canadian, just like myself. And his art is really, really incredible. So we just decided maybe about a week ago that we would collaborate and Lukeman is also involved in this project. This will be really, really amazing. Do you have an <laughs> idea of a deadline of when you would want to get this out? Well, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I said to the, to the new illustrator that I'm looking at at least another year. Mm -hmm. And that's completely understandable. Another reason why I wanted to do a book on hair and and the characters i wanted them to be different and and it, it's important because that's the makeup of my family the colors are all different and that's thrown my granddaughter off a lot 
because the area where she goes to school, there's nobody that looks like her. Mm -hmm. And she had a problem understanding why somebody would make fun of her or say that her skin is dark, which it's, it's not, but to them it's dark because they're white. And so, um, or that her hair is not as straight as theirs. And so to me, it was important for me to visually anyways, to show that all colors of the rainbow in the black spectrum is beautiful. Very much so. And, and once again, the, the book that you are working on right now is very much needed because we have to see ourselves to understand that our representation isn't just about what other people think we should be, but who we are for ourselves. Exactly. I, I, another thing was that I remember as we were talking about our older children, I didn't give my daughter a voice to say, what would you like? But I saw the struggle, how tangly, but back then they didn't have the kind of products to use for, for hair that that's like that. So in the story, I emphasize that with the kind of products that exist on the market right now, kids will love the way their hair looks and not despise having to comb it. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I had to get it out of my mind the way I was raised about hair. And I'm very conscious of how I speak to her. And I slipped up one day, just in the moment. And I Uh said to her, and I said, it just, it was just a, you know, just a random conversation. And I turned to her and I said, oh, by the way, um, I need to fix your hair. And she looked at me and she said, but there's nothing wrong with it. Because what I heard when I said fix it was, let me do it. She said something's wrong. So I had to, I had to be more aware of what I said just in how I was trained to speak about doing hair as a child. I totally agree with you because I've used fix to my daughter a lot when she was young and I decided was to do braids because I was really good at braiding. I'm very creative that way. So I used to do these beautiful braids for her. And so that way I wouldn't have to touch her hair for weeks at a time, but the process to do it took six hours. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time to have a child sit. And so my daughter's attitude towards hair now was before she had my granddaughter, she said to me, I got to make sure that my daughter doesn't have hair like mine, that it's a lot easier to do. So she doesn't have to six, sit for six hours to do braids. And I felt horrible. Wow. Yeah. And those are things that we can think about it, but we can't change what had happened, but moving forward, breaking the cycle with uh, the next generations. Exactly. It's what's important. It's so, so true. And so that's my brainchild (laughs) for this new book. And I'm really excited because I spent many hours toiling over um, how it's written. As we discussed before, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So the way that the words flow off the page really means a lot to me. I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
when you sat down and decided to write these stories and have these thoughts about these stories, what is the message that you want your stories, not just canned sneakers, not just your story about the hair that's coming up. Overall, what's the message that you want the world to know? Positivity. Um, they're always teaching a lesson. It's bringing awareness to certain issues. That's, there's always an underlying reason for my books. And I think that they're based on, on lessons. Well, I'm happy to be a part of reading those lessons. Thank you so much. It was a labor of love. It sounds like it's well worth it. So um, I'm looking forward to getting it. This was really fun. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, thank you, Karen, for spending some time with me today. I really appreciated having you on and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Indie Arthur Hangout podcast. I had so much fun and I hope you did too while you learned something along the way. I would love to find out what you did learn and what your thoughts are about the show on Twitter at Indie Arthur Hangout. Also, please tell me what you would like to learn more about along your Indie Arthur journey. Also, it would be awesome if you would download and subscribe so you won't miss another Indie Arthur episode that is to come. Oh, one more thing. Show notes. They're available on arthurgeniawhite.com forward slash T-I-A-H. Thanks again for hanging with us on the Indie Arthur Hangout. I'll be right back here with you in two weeks to chit chat with you. But until then, be safe and true to the Indie Arthur within. <laughs>